This is the Ampere Industrial Security Critical Assets Podcast. Each episode, we cover important OT and ICS security topics with an eye towards standards and regulation to keep you ahead of your adversaries and your auditors. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick Miller with the Critical Assets Podcast. Today with me, I've got Gabe Agbarucci, and we're going to talk about breaking into the OT ICS cybersecurity industry. So Gabe, tell us a little about yourself. Hello, and happy to be here. Um, I come from a traditional electrical engineering background. So in my undergrad, I have a bachelor's of science in electrical engineering with a focus in on power systems. So you're talking about your electrical generation, distribution, and transmission. Um, from there, after school, I was able to transition into working actually at a nuclear plant, right? With the hard hat and the steel toe boots and everything. I worked as a nuclear INC or instrumentation and controls engineer, where we pretty much managed the digital devices within the plant. But that really didn't have a lot of cybersecurity components or security components to that until Stuxnet happened. So after Stuxnet happened, which was the malware in a nuclear facility in the Middle East, it caused shockwaves across the world and eventually hit my little nuclear plant, my commercial nuclear plant in Detroit, Michigan, where more cybersecurity guidance was coming down from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Um, so as a result, I started getting put on all types of cybersecurity projects on at my plant. And eventually I took that show on the road and transitioned into consulting in ICS and OT cybersecurity. Oh, that's awesome. And starting at a nuclear plant, that's got to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So let's see. We've got some people that are trying to break into the industry. They're trying to get either upskilled or reskilled uh, or just come into the industry from, from outside. And the first thing I hear about are there's all kinds of obstacles. Uh, so tell me what you think the biggest obstacles for people coming into this field are. This might be a little different than what many people talk about, but I think the major obstacle that I have seen is out of fear. Many people fear touching systems that involve industrial processes, that involve manufacturing plants and facilities, things that consider safety concerns. Many people or IT professionals or just people in general, they consider those to be very sensitive environments that they are almost fearful of even touching or interacting with. I think that's one of the major obstacles that I have seen. Okay. Yeah. And I've even seen, um, I guess, some like IT people, uh, they just think that the technology is too different. Uh, so those those are some of the obstacles that I've seen. Is that is that something you've seen as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Working in consulting um, as like a, so in my previous firm, I worked as a senior consultant, right? I, in ICS and OT cybersecurity. So in many cases, I would be working with IT consultants and this would be in the capacity of red teaming and pen testing. So there's times where we would be doing a red team and then we will pretty much do all the IT pen testing things, internal pen testing things. And then once we touched anything industrial, they would almost be like hands off keyboard. I'm going to let Gabe touch it. I don't I don't want to deal with this. And, you know, I think that that's that's one thing that I almost had to alleviate some of those fears and really kind of explain to them some of the differences and the similarities in the environment in order for them to be comfortable with actually going into the testing process. So that's one little example of us where I've seen that fear just jump in. I mean, these are seasoned professionals. These are 10, 15 year red team pen test, purple teaming type of people that will be hands off anytime it concerns ICS and OT cybersecurity. And I thought that was super interesting. And that fear thing started to come up, come to mind. 
That's actually, yeah, that that's good to hear. Uh, I have some, I've had experience with some IT professionals that felt very confident going into the OT space and mm. ended up <laughs> causing some outages in the process. Um, mm. That's good to hear though. Okay. Uh, now let's see, let's talk about some of the common job roles. If you're new and you're coming into this, uh, what's something like if you're looking for uh, maybe a job posting on you know, LinkedIn or a job board or somewhere else, what is something mm -hmm. you should be looking for that can get you into the industry? In many cases, I think the starting point for ICS and OT cybersecurity looks very similar to that of an IT security professional. So I think some of those initial job roles will look like a SOC analyst or security operations center analyst or a security analyst or cybersecurity analyst or associate cybersecurity consultant, something along those lines. I think that looks very similar to that of a starting or entry level IT type of role. Okay. And in, in like a number of years, I mean, do they have to have experience for these roles? Is this something they can truly get an entry level or, you know, if, if it's not entry level and what's needed to get in the door there with those roles? So I think that that's a very good question because I think it's very much so organization dependent. There are some organizations that are very open to training and building people up um, who are coming in at an entry level point. Um, so understanding the tech foundations like networking and security concepts like defense in depth, those are some of the foundations. But in many, I've seen that it really depends on the organization and the networking that you do preliminarily. Um, understanding the roles that people are hiring for, um, but also understanding the foundations of for, for those roles. Things like networking, um, that's extremely important to understand how computers talk, how computers interact, protocols, TCP, UDP. Those are some things that are very foundational to being able to kind of get a step or get a foot into some of those those roles. What about mm -hmm. the, you know, like the, the certifications? So is there is okay. there like a certification they need? Or in some cases, I've seen some that are looking for degrees, um, these mm -hmm. kinds of things. What are, what are some of the things like, if, you know, if you're going to go for this role, maybe this is the kind of of a level of expertise or even certificate or, or background mm -hmm. that you're going to need. So education, that's a big talking point um, that a lot of people have as it concerns jumping into tech. I think that that requirement has been lessened, but at the same time, I do not think that it has completely been eradicated. I think that having a degree in almost any, like I think before it was having a degree in a tech or engineering or STEM type of related field was the requirement. But now you can have a degree in almost anything. And that is more of that requirement that's met for many of these type of roles. Um, so having a degree, whether uh, uh, a bachelor's or associates, a lot of times will get the job done. Now, when you're talking about certifications, there are some very foundational certifications that will not only get you um, in the door or get you past the, the, the uh, I guess, the recruiting filters, um, yeah. but it will also give you a foundation in the content that's important to fulfill those job roles. So things like the CompTIA Network Plus or the CompTIA Security Plus, those both will give you a good foundation in networking and security, but also combined with that of maybe like a CCNA with Cisco, Cisco Certified Network Associate, that'll give you a very good foundation. And many organizations are looking at that for entry level or people just jumping into the field. Okay, that's those are great suggestions, and many of these are not that expensive to get in terms of no. you know with the level of study required to get there. Sometimes you can do a lot of self study and then just kind of go challenge the test. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I would say several months, like three to five months, based upon your previous experience or previous understanding of the concepts that are being covered. You can probably acquire a network plus and a security plus in that time frame. 
But also, even as you're doing this, I would say to also reach out for other type of resources and other types of training to get some of that hands on stuff. Right. When you're talking about uh, Network Plus and Security Plus, you also want to do things like labbing. So there are different websites called Malware Traffic Analysis, which will give you a very good starting point for being able to analyze packet captures or PCAPs, which is something that we do regularly within the cybersecurity field. Or even starting to build out your own home home lab, maybe downloading an instance of a Windows server and creating an Active Directory environment at home and doing some monitoring on those in environments or trying to attack them. So certifications, some level of education combined with labbing and networking with the people who are hiring. I think that, that that's a very good combination for jumping into the cybersecurity role, especially with an ICS and OT cybersecurity. Oh, that's awesome advice. Yeah. I'm even thinking like VMs, virtual machines and oh yeah. Like uh net, you know, there's a bunch of network um gear emulators that you can they just basically respond and behave like a network uh, device. Yes. And many of those are free or they're even like web-based. I've seen some that are just kind of, you can just play with like these emulators on, on a website, for example. But you, yes. you mentioned the um, uh, kind of like the community and getting to know some of the people. And mm -hmm. I was thinking about this when I asked about like the job roles, maybe even looking up other industrial security professionals and looking at their roles and maybe even connecting with them mm -hmm. and asking questions. Where's a good place to do that? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great place. I think that that's the place where we had initially connected, right? Yes. Where we were able to see who who are all our mutual connections and we can see that we have a lot of the same um, um, sphere of people that we connect with. But yeah, LinkedIn. And I would say even take shots in the dark if you're very new to the industry. I mean, go on LinkedIn and put ICSOT cybersecurity and look at the number of professionals who pop up. Um, I think or who even post about the content on their on their pages. That's another very good place to find different resources. Um, so I would say jump in people's DMs, jump in the DMs on LinkedIn. Right. See, like like take your chances to be able to expand and to grow that network. But even other places like Twitter or what's left of Twitter, what's left of Twitter, but that's a good place where people still come to to have conversations about cybersecurity and even more specifically ICS and OT cybersecurity and ISACs, where Beer ISAC is a is a very good information sharing and analysis center. The Beer ISAC is a very good one for ICS and OT cybersecurity professionals to meet. And um, ICS Village, that's another one. They put on a very good conference every year called Hack the Capital. I think now they're at 6.0 and it's coming up pretty soon. So yeah. that's another that's a, that's another one. And it's free. And these things are free. Did I mention that these, these, these are free? These are free places to be able to connect with cybersecurity, more specifically ICS and OT cybersecurity professionals. Uh, great, 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 great advice. And I'll, I'll put a plug in for the SANS ICS forum as well. Also free uh, to register and can connect with a bunch of other industrial control systems people. Um, and the discussions there are usually pretty lively. Um, you get you get a lot of uh, you can just you can pull a lot of information and, and glean a lot of experience out of that out of those conversations there. Mm -hmm. Patrick, I think it's something that I, I forgot to mention earlier um, when we were talking about roles and places to connect with um, those professionals. I think that when people are talk, thinking about roles, they might be a little bit limited in where they're looking. They might be looking at the largest, I guess, technology or ICS and OT cybersecurity firms in order to look for their start. But people don't look as far as their local utility organizations. 
who have industrial roles or industrial assets that they need people to manage and perform security uh, type of services against. So I think that when people are looking for roles, not only looking for like those SOC analysts, security analysts, but looking at that within local utility organizations, oil and gas organizations, automotive plants, right? I'm here in Detroit, Michigan, and there is so much ICS and OT cybersecurity within an assembly plant at a Ford Motor Company or a GM that you would have no idea that all of that was was there. So not only looking for those roles at um, large firms that focus in on OT and ICS cybersecurity, but also your local utility energy companies. Those are also places that have very good, good roles for people to jump into ICS and OT cybersecurity. Yeah, great suggestion. I'm even thinking of like your local municipal utility, whether it's, you know, the water company or the yes. wastewater company, the electric company, gas. Uh, and of course, there's a lot more in industry around you than you would think. So just looking mm-hmm. around at things like any of the manufacturing facilities um, are also really good places to kind of get an idea. Hashtag uh, ICS is everywhere. It's it literally is. everywhere. <laughs> it's literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. All right. So I've I've been asked this question. And I, I I struggle with it a bit, so I want to get your your thoughts on it. What are the best paying job roles? Because some of these people Uh-oh. they don't just want to get into the industry, but they want to try to kind of hone their skills or or lean into more of the highest paying role in our field or roles in our field. What do you, what do you think those are? Uh, okay, let's see. Let's see the best place to answer. I want to kind of kind of build up to it, right? So. Okay. Um, I know one place where it's not the best paying roles, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't go here, but more specifically within government roles that deal with ICS and OT cybersecurity. You, many times those roles have salaries that are capped based upon previous negotiations with government entities where there's not really a lot of room for, for a lot of compensation. Uh, but now to specifically directly answer your question, I think most of the highest paid ICS and OT cybersecurity roles are in are in consulting with a lot of these larger firms. Um, I think that the compensation structure in many cases is like a base salary. You have a sign on bonus. You have um, um, an annual bonus for performance, but also you might even have opportunities for stock. Um, so I think that that's probably where the lowest and then the highest is where you'll probably find some of those salaries. I don't know what 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 was your struggle in answering that or yeah well what I, were you thinking? I, I uh-huh. have a, 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 a consulting firm. <laughs> okay, this. okay, so, there we go. Yeah. And, and I would say that it is the consulting firms are probably the higher paying options. Mm-hmm. And with that, there's also some roles in like the management layers. You can even get up into the executive layers of some of these utilities, and they pay right. very well. And mm-hmm. the, they often joke about the golden handcuffs. Once you get to a certain level, they just pay you enough to keep you. Uh, but I would say, yeah, the um, the consulting firms are probably the highest paying space, but just getting to that level of expertise to be hired yeah. in those roles, you're looking at five, in some cases, 10 years uh, of at least to, to that level. Yeah, at least, at least. And that's one thing, right? That that experience level is something that's very, um, 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 I guess, looked for or or sought after for these consulting firms. So yes, I absolutely agree because there were times in my career, I mean, speaking about my, my, my podcast, the struggle security podcast, um, I had struggled with even just getting uh, a, a phone call with a recruiter from a large consulting firm because I didn't have those years of experience. So I would have to cycle back around. Now I'm with 
a, a, a technology consulting firm now. Uh, but years ago, I would just I couldn't even get past the recruiter. So speaking yeah. about that experience, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I've seen that. And even in some cases, uh, the diversity of experience as well. So they want to see, you know, different types of industries and different types of technologies. And in some cases, different countries or different um, like frameworks or standards, you know, so you've you've done maybe it's like oh, NERC yeah. and NIST or NERC and maybe some rail like 50701 in Europe or uh, you know, as some mm-hmm. of the other areas, UK has got CAF and Germany's got BSI, but yeah, the ability to span different standards and different technologies to, to get to that level, but that that's a long haul. So yeah. Yes. What I, I think what, I, the, what I struggled with was giving them kind of the shortest path to the highest paying roles. And I just, I didn't have a good answer for that. I'm just not sure there is. I think, I really think that shortest path is in the networks. It's, it's dependent upon the networks that you build. I know some people who are very, I guess, early in their um, ICS and OT cybersecurity career, but have but who have been connected with some very, I guess, known and inf- influential individuals within the field who have pretty much expedited their journey, right? So people who might've worked a couple of years at a plant and now they're working as like senior managers at a large consulting firm because they had those connections. So I think that network, right, is extremely important when you're talking about um, those opportunities that will give you some higher, higher pay within the field. Yeah, I agree. Build your network. Your, your human network is everything. It's as they say, it's, yeah. it's not just what, you know, it's who, you know, and then when you know them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. who's seen you, who's seen you. <laughs> Sometimes they don't even know you, but they have seen some of the work that you've done yeah. and they, and, and that's given an impression. So then that yeah. would uh, create opportunities for you. Okay. Fantastic advice. All right. And then that's, we kind of touched on one of the questions I had, which was like shortest path, highest effort, best pay. And looking mm-hmm. kind of at the opposite of that, what's the shortest path, least effort for just decent pay? Like if you wanted to just get in as quickly as possible and still mm-hmm. get a decent pay, like what, what's the target area for that? <sighs> that depends. Yeah. Let's see. That's, that's, that's difficult for me, right? Because it's, hmm. Cause at times I try to look at my career and try to try to do one-to-one or really try to understand what that looked like. But I think I just got lucky. I mean, I honestly do think yeah. I got lucky at that time. I think I, I sold myself well. So, so I, so I was coming from, so before I jumped into the nuclear field, I was in automotive. I was a, what you call a wire harness design engineer, but I was still kind of fresh out of college. I was probably a year and a half or so out of college and with the hiring manager for the nuclear plant, I sold myself as a lifelong learner. I sold myself as malleable and fresh out of college and willing to take on any challenge and learn anything. And I think that really made an impression on uh, my hiring manager at the time. And it also aligned with what had just happened as it concerned Stuxnet in the Middle East. And there was so much that was going to be coming down the pipe as it concerns the cybersecurity guidance that we had to implement at our plant. So it's almost... You know, luck, timing, being prepared to sell yourself. Um, I think that's the best way I can answer that 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 question because I don't have a straight answer for it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I struggle with the answer too. I, I was mm-hmm. trying to think, and, and there's you know there's decent pay in things like security analyst and SOC analyst. Yeah, but even yeah. then, when I when I think of like least effort, it's some of these they, they still require some effort in addition yeah. to the the learning components and the study and the hands on practice possibly even certificates. 
But you yeah. mentioned um, selling yourself is key. And I think that's where a lot of people end up struggling is they don't feel they have those skill sets yet. And there's a lot of, you know, imposter syndrome or variations. Right. And it's difficult for them to sell themselves. But I, I would echo the same. I did a lot of the same. I got lucky in terms of timing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's also that letting them know that you're willing to you know throw me in there and I'll figure it out. That that that's just right. that's a key piece to letting um you know any of those hiring managers know that you're not just going to freeze when you run into something you don't know. Yeah, and I think that coming into interviews with pre I guess pre can answers to times in which you have been able to figure something out. I think that doing a home lab, a home cybersecurity lab is something that you'll you'll just have a plethora of stories that might come from that. So I know that we were talking about emulators and simulators and different VMs. In ICS and OT cybersecurity, you can download simulators for DMP3, right? The 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 communication protocol that's very common in the electrical industry. So working on what that simulator looks like, maybe evaluating what some of that traffic looks like, maybe using something like Scapy, like uh, uh, in order to manipulate some of that traffic, you'll have a lot of struggles and a lot of stories that will come about in you trying to figure it out. So I think that doing your own learning and documenting in some way, maybe even uh, from a memory or even documenting on paper of, of how you overcame some of those struggles um, would really help in you selling your, yourself to a potential employer. Hopefully that yeah, made sense. That's mm-hmm. great. And it also gives you the, when you say those things to the employer, they're going to recognize that you you do actually know what you're talking about, right? Because you're talking about right. the tools, you're talking about your experience with those, and that will clearly reflect that you've done this before and you're not just making it up. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. I'm going to switch gears real quick. And I okay. see you... A little um, extract I did. I've been playing with ChatGPT, I'm sure, like everyone else has. Uh, so I, I asked ChatGPT, what is the easiest or shortest path to getting a job in OTICS secure, cybersecurity? That's literally the hmm. question I asked it. And it gave me back some answers, and it came back with five points. So we're going to dissect them. I'm just going to read them off real quick for the, 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 the listeners, and I'll include this text in the show notes uh, so people can actually take a look at the exact text that came back. But that, for the five things that it responded uh, to do, it basically says the steps you can take to increase your chances in finding employment in this area. The first one is acquire relevant education and certifications. The second one is gain relevant experience. The third mm-hmm. is build technical skills. The fourth is network with professionals. And the fifth is be willing to start at the bottom. And the face of it, it sounds like these are, are really good advice pieces, but let's let's kind yeah. of dissect each one of those. Let's start with acquire relevant education and certifications. It talks about uh, the CISSP, the CEH, and the GICSP. What do you think about those as recommendations <laughs> from ChatGPT? <laughs> I think that, wow. And that's so that's so interesting. I think that we're all starting to play within AI and ChatGPT. And those three certifications are, I would not say that that aims at starting off. Right. So the CISSP, if you're starting off, the CISSP typically comes with a experience level requirement, I believe, of five years of something within um, five years of IT domain experience. You can get get a like a associate, I think, a CISSP, but that doesn't have any proof of that certification. So that wouldn't really be aligned with that of starting off. The CEH or the Certified Ethical Hacker. It was probably the most one of the most popular, but least, 
I wouldn't say respect it. It will get you past um, recruiting, but it is something that doesn't really get you into ethical hacking. You, you, you will not walk away from CEH with hands-on experience and being able to jump into a job role um, doing ethical hacking. So I wouldn't recommend that one either. Yeah. Especially and in, it has, in OT. <laughs> and especially in OT, right. Yeah. Um, but then it just gives the, the GICSP, which is a global industri- industrial cybersecurity professional. It's a SAN certification. And I mean, for the going rates these, these days, there's a financial uh, uh, component to that of probably seven to 8,000, maybe even more $9,000 investment for that certification. So I tend to not recommend either Three, none of those, CISSP, yeah. CH, or GICSP, but more aligned with a CompTIA Security Plus, CompTIA Network Plus, and maybe a CCNA. Yeah. So those, yeah, I, I do not agree with number one. Okay. And for chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. yep. I, I, I agree with the kind of the high level statement, but when it got into detail, it, it fell right off the edge of the cliff there. Right. Yeah. Okay, number two is gain relevant experience. It talks about gaining experience working in a related field such as IT or cybersecurity, and then looking for opportunities to work with control systems, internships, co-op programs, or entry-level positions that provide exposure. What are your thoughts? Okay, I think that that is okay. Um, I think that that's similar to what we were talking about, looking for um, that, that, that starting point for it is very similar to starting point for cybersecurity and OT cybersecurity. So I, I'm okay with that. But then when you talk about internships, co-op programs, those are typically tailored for, um, undergraduates, right. Um, um, students. So that kind of cuts out a whole group, a demographic of people who might be post-grad or people who are transitioning from another field or individuals who might be non-traditional, I guess, um, um, individuals jumping into a new field. So it kind of cuts a lot of people out there, but then it says entry-level positions that provide exposure to OT and ICS. I would want it to be a little bit more specific, like when we were talking, like with energy organizations or water and municipalities, I think that though that will be, that would help that to be more, more um, succinct. But I think overall it's good, but I think it needs a little bit more detail for number two. So I'm I'm giving that one maybe a C or C plus for that C one. C plus for number two. <laughs> C okay. plus for number two. Yep. And then the third one is build technical skills. It says build the skills in an area such as network security, malware analysis, and incident response. Take advantage of online courses, workshops, other training opportunities to develop your skills and stay up to date with the latest technologies and practices. What are your thoughts on this one? I think that if somebody is just starting, I wouldn't say those three fields would be where they should start. They shouldn't probably start with network security, malware analysis, incident response, but maybe more of networking, foundational security um, concepts and system administration. So them understanding operating systems. I think that when you talk about network security, malware analysis, and incident response, that's more of maybe mid to senior level type of concepts that you would get into within a job job role. But the second piece I'm seeing, take advantage of online courses, industry workshops, and training opportunities. I think that's those are very good recommendations. So I, I give that one a B. I give number three a B. All right. uh, minus a B minus. A B there minus. We okay. Well, chat GPT is getting a little bit better. Okay. And the yeah. fourth one, network of professionals. Uh, attend security conferences to meet professionals in the field, learn about the trends, get advice on how to break into the field, which we're doing now, and then join mm-hmm. professional associations such as the International Society of Automation, or ISA, um, the ISSA, Information System Security Association, and the 
Industrial Control Systems Cyber Emergency Response Team, or ICS CERT, which I don't think exists anymore, to connect. I was just going to say mentors. <laughs> I would. <laughs> so I think that 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 that's probably the outdated nature yeah. of the Chat GPT model, right? Because mm-hmm. just like you mentioned, I don't think ICS CERT is any longer there. Um, but I think that that the overall recommendation is is very good by joining those organizations. I would say if there was maybe an updated version or an updated model data set, then it probably would get those organizations correct. So I say that one's probably like another B. Yeah. A B. I, yep. I agree. And then I, the only one I could think of is ISSA doesn't really lean very far into the OT space. Right. Um, right. ISA, however, that's dead on. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then be willing to start at the bottom recognizing that entry-level positions may not be glamorous, but they can provide valuable experience and help you build network of contacts. And then consider taking a lower paying job or an internship to gain experience or get your foot in the door. And your thoughts on this one? Hmm. It depends. It depends. Because I think that people who are just starting off their careers, maybe that's, that's some good advice for those individuals. But I think that, I think that we get a lot of industry trans- transitioners within ICS and OT cybersecurity. And in that case, I wouldn't say that they need to start at, start at the bottom, but they should leverage their pre-existing ex- experience to add to OT and ICS cybersecurity. Like, say, for instance, I think in many cases we get seasoned IT professionals, people who have done system administration, who have done network administration or network security or pen testing or any type of security services. I don't think that they need to start at the bottom. That 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 would not apply to those individuals or even individuals who might come from healthcare. Those individuals might have a very deep level of um, like HIPAA, right? Those those security requirements yeah. for that type of data or just understanding that environment as a whole. I know that um, my wife is a nurse, um, it's specifically a CRNA. So it's certified registered nursing, nurse anesthetist. Uh, and she has a very good understanding of the different devices that are within a hospital environment. So one time I was doing a cybersecurity, like a compromise assessment on an hospital system. And I had to consult with my nurse, with my nurse wife to understand what are some of the devices that are there? What type of communications are there and what shouldn't we really be able to see? Um, So I think that if she was transitioning to cybersecurity, I think that she could leverage some of that previous experience and not have to start from the bottom in order to kind of kind of come into the field and not start off from the bottom. So I think that that's good advice for somebody very early in their career, but someone who is transitioning and have some previous experience, I think that they would need to leverage that experience where they wouldn't start at the bottom. So yeah, not to that, say yourself short. Right, right. So maybe that's a C, C plus for five. Okay. Yeah, and I I have to say the notes I took on this one, um, I felt pretty mm-hmm. much the same way. If you're new, that's probably a good place to start. But if you've got experience in in any one of the other areas we mentioned, even in, um, I was thinking like the engineering side of the house as well. So not right. just the IT side, but you've got a f- solid understanding of of instrumentation, controls, process theory. Uh, those are things that can be really useful. I mean, if you already understand how PLCs and RTUs and FAPs and IEDs and how these components yeah. all work together, that's a really strong foundation and certainly wouldn't put you at an entry-level spot when you're just, you know, you can take that and now go learn things like, you know, uh, you know, outside of your, you know, bus protocols and serial protocols, mm-hmm. and you learn all your, you know, standard IP ranges and other things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Other ones I thought are um, like compliance level ones. You mentioned HIPAA. Uh, a lot yeah. of these compliance ones, NERCSIP is one, HIPAA is one. There are several of them out there that are compliance related, but they're also very 
um, kind of IT or OT oriented and could give you a, a pretty nice, I want to say entry-level position because it's not really entry-level. It comes with some experience, but it's also a mm-hmm. little bit better up the ladder there, a little further up the yes. ladder. Yes, absolutely. Completely agreed there. Cool. And then we, you know, also it didn't um, mention things like some of the government options that are out there. They do take yes. varying degrees of skill sets. And and though it does say ICS cert in the chat GPT model because it's a little old, but, you know, the new CISA, CISA, um, that organization, I know they've got a bunch of openings. Um, the national labs are great places. Uh, um, yeah, I forgot about like, those. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, big... Um, government agencies that have industrial control systems are ones you wouldn't think about, like the mm-hmm. Bureau of um, Reclamation. They operate all the dams out there. Mm. And then the Federal Power Marketing Authorities, they open all the tra- op- operate all the transmission lines out there, for example. So there are some wow. interesting government opportunities too. Nice. I agree with all of those. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think with our ChatGPT closeout, um, the, the thing I've got the last question I really wanted to ask is how do the OT or ICS organizations get more people, right? So if you turn this from the people coming into the industry, if you're an organization trying to get these people in your industry, where do you find them? I mean, and and where do you get the budget for them if you don't have that? Hmm. Let me tell you what they have been doing. And then let me tell you what, (laughs) what I think they should do. Okay. (laughs) What, what most of uh, our organizations have been doing is that they've been been um, recruiting from other organizations that already have those people, right? Cannibalizing. I mean, <laughs> cannibalizing. I mean, literally, my inbox is full with so many different opportunities from organizations that um, are competitors in many cases. All right. So I so I think that what's happening right now is that there's just there's just trying, everybody's trying to get the best talent into their organization. Where I see that in some cases it has been effective. Sure. Um, but I do think that we need to put a more emphasis on training up and really utilizing individuals who have the base knowledge and base understanding um, and kind of the adding to that, adding to that previous understanding and experience in order to bring people in. And like I was saying, even kind of the luck that I've had, but also the selling that I've done is that looking for individuals who are malleable, looking for individuals who are lifelong learners, who are very open to understanding and developing um, um, skill sets in new areas. I think that those are the people that 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 we need to definitely put an effort to recruit into into the field. People who aren't necessarily the the war the the war dogs who have been in the trenches when the, this thing happened or that thing happened, but rather the people who are willing to be the ne- those those next individuals. Okay. And then some of these organizations struggle to get the budget to bring these people in. They'll often, oh, yeah. it's, they can get money for contractors. They can often get money for technology because that's typically a capital expense, but just getting the budget to bring those people on, what are some of the challenges in getting the budget and how do they do that? I think it starts from leadership. That definitely starts from leadership. So I think that leaders need to understand the return on investment on bringing in or adding to budget to bring in new resources to be able to help with their uh, most critical and impactful ICS and OT cybersecurity issues. In many cases, um, when I've talked to board board members or executives, one thing that tends to one thing that tends to help is showing how other people within their same industry have been impacted by activities from the bad guys. Understanding what uh, uh, things like the Colonial Pipeline incident, 
how that had uh, uh, happened or how that had happened. And that had affected the bottom line to the business of that organization, whether it was paying the ransom note or it was that of disrupting operations for a certain period of time. What does that do to the CFO? What does that do to the overall business of the organization? So I would say that people, especially managers and senior managers and directors, they need to be able to communicate the return on investment for investing in ICS and OT cybersecurity. I think that's definitely where it starts. It starts from the top and the people that are able to open up the pocketbooks to bring in those resources. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Convince the senior management in like, you know, dollars and cents why this this makes, um, this is the right idea, for example, to bring the people in. And they you know, humans cost more money in some cases than technology, but they do mm-hmm. a lot more than the technology itself can because it still takes humans to run the technology well. Absolutely. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, th- I think that I've seen examples of that too, where it might not even necessarily be a cybersecurity issue going on. I've worked with customers that have just had disruptions to their operations where it was a networking issue. It was it was something that was happening with computers. In one case that there was... Um, one organization had installed all these 4K cameras to be able to monitor some industrial processes, and they connected it directly to the control network. Mm. This caused all types of latency to occur within the environment, and they thought that they were being hacked. But in reality, they needed to do some segmentation of the traffic. So I think that just being able to invest in that, right, be able to rule out a security issue is still getting to helping that organization um, to be able to come to a, a, a business decision, right? The fact that we were able to find that and be able to give them recommendations on segmenting that traffic, help their business and their operations t- to be able to go further. So I think that, that that those type of conversations need to happen, not just security issues, but also operations issues can be solved with that type of skill set there. Oh yeah, yeah. And I've seen a lot of the security, we'll call them security controls, uh, mm-hmm. And practices and behaviors, technologies that you put in place also eliminate a lot of the accidental problems that are caused by accidental. humans and, and designs Absolutely. and those kind of things. Yeah. And I think the last thing I would probably add is there's a lot of uh, grants and things out there for different types mm-hmm. of organizations to get some more security budget. There's a bunch of it coming out now from this administration. So check those things out too. Um, Absolutely. I think the, the last one I've got for you is not just how these uh, like, you know, for the organizations trying to get these people in. So let's say they've got them in, how do they keep them? Because in some cases, <laughs> as you mentioned, we're cannibalizing ourselves in so many ways. How do you get the people, train the people, and then keep the people? Oh, man. It's, Patrick, it's it's very difficult to answer that because I'm a millennial, man. I'm a millennial, <laughs> I'm a millennial and it's very difficult to keep us anywhere. You have to wait until we get married and have 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 children and start to settle down before you can keep us within any organizations. But I I think that the generational question is one one thing and looking at maybe what maybe some of the generation, uh, what the values of that generation are uh, or is um, maybe having more flexible work hours. Right. I know a lot of us value that. Um, maybe having different types of incentives, not necessarily like like the big tech thing where you have a slide in the middle of the office or anything, but things that that would lend towards um, being able to maintain a quality of life and a social life, even outside of work. Because many of us, I know, just speaking for the millennials, that we don't just want to work and work and work and then retire, but we do want to enjoy the work that we do. We find the value there. 
And we want to find we 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 want to believe that we're doing something in, impactful and something um, and producing a positive output to the world. So I think that um, to keep people, g- the generational thing is important. But also, I think that another thing that, that we mentioned before is compensation. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, 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 compensation needs needs to be aligned with where the market is. Um, I know with utility organizations, especially local utility organizations. They a lot of times are not keeping up. They a lot of times are not keeping up with what the what the current skill sets um, lend from a compensation pers- perspective. So I think that that's that's another thing. So um, generational compensation and lending towards um, um, allowing people to work, but not only work in their lives. I think that that will help to keep a lot of people. No, that makes sense. And I really yeah. wanted to get that perspective from the millennial point of view, because okay. honestly, we're replacing, I am looking at replacing myself with, you know, whoever we can grab in the industry. And that's mm-hmm. the largest pool of talent that we have at the moment in a lot of cases for at least the, right. the newer people into the, into the field. There are some that are reskilling that are a little bit older, uh, mm-hmm. but I think that's, it's really important to bring that into concept. And what about things like uh, remote work versus must be in the office? See, and that's, that's the thing for ICS and OBS. OT cybersecurity, remote work is, I, I think it's very possible in consulting because we work from home, but then we travel to customer sites. But if you're managing industrial processes and systems, in many cases, you do have to in some way be on site. So I think that maybe a hybrid model would be something that should should be adopted. I know for the nuclear plant, we would very often have these um, events where we would have to walk down systems, maybe have a walk down day, right? Or uh, like specifically walk down times. Um, but then other times we have a remote optional. So I think a hybrid model was something that more people would would be aligned to. Now that makes sense. Awesome. Gabe, thank you so much. I really, mm-hmm. really appreciate your time, your excellent advice. I'm going to include in the show notes recommendations for your your YouTube channel, Struggle Security, and all Sweet. the awesome things that you do. But uh, I really want to thank you for for giving us all of your expertise and helping all of those people out there trying to get into the industry. And hopefully, we can we can get more folks to come in and give us a hand. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Ampere Industrial Security Critical Assets Podcast. You can find us on all your favorite podcast sources, so please like, subscribe, and share with your colleagues. Check out our other content, such as blogs, news, and more at amperesec.com. That's A-M-P-E-R-E-S-E-C.com. Ampere Industrial Security, securing your world.